the Doctor Who Flashcast. I'm Jason Snell. This is Series 11, Episode 10. It's the last episode of the regular season of Doctor Who. And I am joined this week by a a well-known... Well, how should I phrase this? Um, it is the uh, best-known uh, watcher of Doctor Who in Edmonton who does not have their own Doctor Who podcast. It's Annette Weirstra from the Urcher podcast. Hello. There are so many podcasts <laughs> about Doctor Who in, like, yeah, in Edmonton. Not, not to and I'm not on with, any of with, them. With footnotes, but it's like, it's not, it's not Erica, it's not Stephen, it, it's not Kat, uh, it, it's Chris. not Chris. It's, yeah. but, but, but that's fine. They have their own places to talk about Doctor Who, but you yeah. get, you get, uh, to be on, I, I, I'm going to phrase this wrong. I get to talk to you. That's the right way to phrase it <laughs> on this right. dumb thing that I do on Sunday <laughs> nights that used to be Saturday nights. Uh, and we're talking about the battle of Ranscor of Kolos. It just rolls off the tongue. The last episode of this season of Doctor Who. How have you been liking before we get into this episode? How have you been liking this season? You know, I have been liking it. I do feel like I'd like to sit and go watch the whole thing again because mm-hmm. it's it's so different. So would you but say I, would you say that you're a you're a uh, uh, kind of like hard hardcore? I mean, you run in some circles that are the hardest, of course. But hard, <laughs> a, a more kind of like a big Doctor Who fan or sort of a casual Doctor Who watcher? No, I uh, well, I'm a new Who fan. I was familiar with it when it was running classic. I used to watch it sometimes late at night when I was babysitting, because, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing else on. Oh, yeah. But when it came on, I started watching it from the minute that it, okay. so it two, started. So a 2005 yeah. era Doctor yep. Who fan. All right. Yeah, awesome. and I watched it faithfully, and I'm, I met all these Who fans because I watched it so someone heard oh you need to meet these guys well of course that's how i met them edmonton is infested with enormous doctor who fans you must meet them (laughs) exactly oh that's that's cool well so i bring that up only because one of the trends and i feel like it goes into this episode and it goes into this whole season one of the trends that i keep hearing is Mm -hmm. that the people who are kind of like have been watching it since 2005 or or maybe since matt smith people who are like really into it this year have had a lot of responses that i've heard that are kind of like it's fine like they like jody whitaker which i mean how could you not she's been great she's my favorite thing in the whole season is that the casting was so good and especially jody whitaker is so immediately the doctor and has been throughout but but what i've heard is that that's been almost like a muted kind of response from the people who are like really into it it's like it's fine almost like it's sort of um, it's okay, but maybe there's some indelible or like indescribable missing piece. Whereas what I've heard is that people who are less super into Doctor Who, and this is especially true in Britain, but I think sort of among casual viewers, they've liked this season, which I think is really interesting and maybe says more about how um, Stephen Moffat was, you know, really intense uh, focused on, de- you know, as a lifelong fan, deconstructing the form and making obscure references and wrapping twisty time travel plots and all of these things. And it's very clear that Chris Chibnall is not. He's not interested yeah. in doing any of those, like, super clever things. He wants to kind of just tell a fairly linear adventure story uh, with with a sci-fi or a sci-fi historical element. And, uh, and I think that leaves some of the, like, super fans a little bit kind of off-footed like 
oh, there's no big twist. There's no big resolution here. While mm-hmm. I think maybe, this is my theory anyway, that maybe the uh, more casual fans are like, Whew, thank goodness, finally something that I don't have <laughs> to have the you know reference book by my side in order to read it. Do you think that this is a decent theory? I don't know. I, I could buy that. I, I did go through the same thing, though, with Capaldi and especially hanging out with all these people who were so on board with him from the second he started. And that first season, I was like, um, I don't know how I feel about him. I have complicated feelings. I sort of like it. I go back and I see the, the se- that season now and I'm like, there's some episodes I loved but he took a long time to win me over. Whereas this, right. she, I love Jody. Like the second I saw her, she right. was Moment the doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't know how I feel about it because it just, it feels so different. It does not feel, it's not the same Doctor Who. So yeah, I feel like I might really love it, but I need to think about it more. Because yeah. I think just getting used to like, oh, it's new, it's different. That's what's great about this show. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. I mean, that's the thing about Doctor Who is that it regenerates, and not just the Doctors, but the production teams. And it's it's yeah. not like an anthology series where every episode is a different writer and a different set of characters. But it is kind of like that in the sense that for after fifty five, you know, fifty what is it, fifty five? I think years. It's um, it it goes through different producers who have different visions, and it does need to be renewed. And Chris Chibnall is yep. doing something to kind of get it back to to ground zero, get back to center position of sort of like mainstream um mainstream entertainment in in britain on a now sunday night and i think that it's not surprising that maybe the hardcore fans who are like oh but i want to be paid off for my knowledge of the last 10 years (laughs) and the show is saying no (laughs) like there are references there's a reference in this episode to there's quite a few references right like the stolen earth i towed a hole i told the planet halfway across the galaxy like it's all (laughs) there's some of that but like the show is saying no 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 we want to. We really want to let everybody in here. We want to be open to everybody, and you know, I, and I like that because that's how the show survives. Even though um, sometimes I see the simplified uh, storylines, and this episode, like, is an interesting example. Where on one level it's very finale in that the Earth is in peril. Mm-hmm. On another level, though, it's kind of like, well, it's really more of a personal story, and I think that's what Chris Chibnall is much more comfortable with, given uh, especially something like Broadchurch, right? Like, I feel like yep. he's more comfortable with that um so in 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 this episode what we get is uh it's kind of funny too i i I thought like stephen moffat this is almost like a mirror moffat episode where like stephen moffat (laughs) did the whole trenzalore thing where it was like there is a it's a planet and it's all battles and it's horrific and you died there and there's a tardis and it's bad and you're going there and they talk about it for years and then they go there and and it's very confusing and they go into the doctor's own timeline and they see john hurt and there's just all this stuff this episode is kind of the same premise in the sense that there's this planet where all of these um you know battles have been fought and everybody is sending out distress signals from the same location over the course of time and you know what does it all mean and what is there and yet um unlike uh the stephen moffat stuff where it was sort of the entire point it's entirely beside the point in this episode Mm -hmm. like it gets them there um but it really is more of a mystery to solve and so they so they solve it. So there's the, you know there there's the that little intro which is very confusing where there's the two people yep. on a planet and uh, the the one says to the other trust in yourself and fulfill what they are and then something glows and she says stop and uh, then it's thirty four hundred years later and, and seven 
3, yeah, and, seven, and, and seven. seven. Yes, absolutely right. I was rounding. Uh, <laughs> and they and the doctor gets these these distress signals and goes to the planet and and says that there are mood changing waves, so they have to put little things on them, and then mm-hmm. they and then they set out. Um, so uh, about that, about the mood changing waves, I am. I had that moment where I thought, like, this is kind of cool because you know what's going to happen is that they're going to have these things on and then one of them's going to break or they're going to have to yeah, take it I, off. I was like, who is going to lose it? Right? Immediately. Who's going to lose it? And, and I, I also like there was a spare. Yes, right, right. Like, they planned for an extra one. They planned for an extra. I, I, I kept thinking, like, do you have a bag of these? You might want to bring. <laughs> yes. So my, I, I think it's an interesting setup. My problem is that there's kind of no payoff. It, and then mm-hmm. it, it turns out that later in the episode, these things are the tool that they use to short circuit the control that, uh, that our returning villain has over these powerful beings, the Ux. And, yep. In, and I kept thinking like, oh, well, this is going to be a big moment. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the doctor and Yaz are going to sacrifice themselves or potentially sacrifice themselves to save them. And what are they going to do? And they take the things off and they put them on them. And then they like have a headache and are... And then take them back. Are, are fine. And then they take them back. Yeah. Yeah. That that was also the they free the crew of Mark Addy's ship. He's Paltraki. Um, yes. They, they free his crew and have them flee and they're fine too they don't they didn't bring a sack of these things i think but they're all still fine which i was like come really like in the end so it was like setting up this kind of cool like jeopardy and yet in the end of the episode it felt like it was really just there so that they had a a a gadget to use to short circuit the uh the powerful ux people in the in the key moment and that that disappointed me because i thought that that would be uh like a plot point where somebody has to sacrifice themselves or risk their lives anyway in order to have this happen it didn't happen yeah it's too bad Uh, yeah i thought i thought the same thing i was prepared or for someone to accidentally lose it, put right. them in peril, and then the gang has to get together and rescue that person. Right, and they're going to be paranoid. That's the whole idea is the planet's sending out these negative waves, so yeah. they're going to be paranoid, and they're going to forget themselves, and they're going to be potentially an adversary that they have to like talk them They have to talk them out of it. And it's a neat idea that never happens. After they talk Paul Tracky down off of the ledge at the very beginning and give him yeah. a little thing, it is never an issue beyond like the doctor having a headache and and yes having a, a headache but it's like and they quickly stupid. hop in the tardis and it's all, and then it's fine okay. yeah so i was disappointed by that um the uh mark addy is an interesting so so um they had a lot of interesting actors this season it's nice to see mark addy there is there is one line he says later in the in the episode and i didn't write down what the line is but there's a line that he says that i thought ooh, that is king robert from game of thrones <laughs> <laughs> it's like he says it in exactly the right way. Uh, but it's fun to see him. I like him as an actor. Um, that character is kind of strange where um, he, I don't know, I, I, I get a hard, I have a hard time reading on him. I guess the, the problem with that character, it struck me, is that he's kind of unspooling all the exposition as we go right like as he remembers things which i thought was really clever like because if he knows everything the moment they stick the thing on him he can explain the whole plot and that's no good (laughs) so he remembers it in pieces it's kind of a thankless role though i mean he does end up saving the day and killing a lot of robots in the end which i think is awesome but for a while he's kind of in this other job where he's just 
you know, yeah, he has a few great heroic moments. Yeah, no, and I like him. But there are those moments where he's like literally like, oh, oh, I remembered something else that's important to the plot right now. (laughs) Like, all right, it's fine. But he's a he's a fun actor and I like to see it. And they they have that nice there's that nice uh, give and take that he has uh, where he, he says that he's from the planet Stebble. Yes. And it's like, that's a stupid name for a planet. Well, where are you from? Earth. Ugh, that's a stupid name. Okay, fair. That's fair. Well, it kind of is, though. Yeah, sure. Earth. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's totally fair. It's totally fair. Um, so he's a captain of this ship, but the um, it turns out that his crew is being held hostage. Um, he has and this... a bunch of extra people because we gained a whole bunch. Yeah, there's a bunch of bunch of people in there, and and his crew is like there are like three of them, I guess, and one of them is yeah. is is then killed over a video link as a sign that he needs to do it, which I thought was strange because don't you threaten? Why would you kill one? You can threaten them all first. But um, and yeah. this is where it's revealed the big return in this episode of the bad guy, the as I wrote down the jerk from the first episode, Tim Shaw <laughs> of the Stenza, who is the guy with the teeth all over his body, his teeth tooth trophies or whatever they are. Yeah, I didn't need to see that again. And you know, uh, <laughs> so well, because I, I I didn't love this episode. I thought it was fine, but mm-hmm. uh, Tim Shaw like. I mean, in the first episode, they kind of puncture him, right? Like, they think they immediately are they're like, I am Tim Shaw of the Stones. And they're like, Tim Shaw, your name is Tim Shaw. Like, they're immediately making fun of him. And yeah, he yep. kills Grace. But when he returns here, I feel like this episode is like, oh no, it's him. You've been waiting for him to come back. And I was like, I was not waiting for him to come back. <laughs> I, I was. I was like, oh, of course, who's returning? It's going to be Tim Shaw. I just think- expected I expected him and I felt like just sending him off in the to wherever uh yeah no he's coming back is he yeah I mean I guess that was that was it although this this destroys my theory by the way that the guy on the train was returned to the Stenza and is now the king of the Stenza. Uh, the guy, that guy who I don't even remember the his random name guy. Yeah, the random guy on the train who they were actually yeah. trying to kill. Um, but maybe next season. Uh, but but Tim Shaw. <laughs> I guess my problem with Tim Shaw is not that not that it's a surprise or not a surprise that he that he came back and that the shape of the season is that the villain from episode one appears in the last episode. But more like yeah. he's not. I don't know. He he didn't strike me as that great a villain anyway. He's he's creepy looking. Um, yeah. And in this episode, he's basically spent 3,000 years uh, manipulating a couple of godlike beings into believing that he is their boss and yep. um, I don't know it didn't it it, it, it he I don't know it, the the episode treated him as more of a oh man he's such a threat than I I, I than I took him seriously as I don't know I don't know he just didn't Tim Shaw was just like oh it's him okay but they disposed of him quite easily with a shot in the foot (laughs) and then they stand over him he just lays there and they throw him in uh the what do you call it the stasis yeah off camera he he goes like did he fight it obviously not because ryan and graham are not particularly skilled at at like hand-to-hand combat but or was he like once he was shot in the foot he's like all right man you got me in the foot i i just that's it it's my foot i only have one left climatic yeah, that was he was. What I'm saying is, I'm not sure he's that he's that great a villain. Like, I I appreciate in a season where there's been a lot of misunderstood villains or villains who aren't villains. After yeah, all, he's straight up villain. He's, he's super villain, and 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 you know he's got his uh, 
He's got his lines where he's like, I will, I will take over all the planets and rule the galaxy. And it's like, all right, he's a villain. I get it. Um, he's not my favorite villain, but at least he, he can do some mad cackling and it's fine. Yeah, well, it's interesting. He's captured in the end five planets mm-hmm. trying to get the Earth. So you've got really high stakes and yet it didn't feel like we had really high stakes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's like we've had, it just, you're kind of epic. We've, we've captured planets. We're saving planets. We're saving the whole Earth. Right. We get that reference to the stolen Earth, which yes, was a, a similar plot line, right? And and, and yet the, It feels right. like a slightly more elegant fixing rather than dragging it, them across with your towing them yeah, right? behind the TARDIS. Put, put them in it a little crystal elegant. or something where they, yeah. where they can, they can hang out. Yeah, I But yeah, I agree. it just felt, it felt like, oh, well, the, there was a moment where I was like, when the earth is getting consumed by the force field or whatever, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh, I'm actually feeling kind of tense about this. And then, yeah, then it just sort of dissipated. Then, yeah. So, yeah, it was like greater stakes, but not. Yeah, well, and this is what I, what I said earlier, where I felt like in the end... This, you know, Chris Chibnall, mm-hmm. who wrote this episode, knows that it's Doctor Who and he needs and it's a finale and he wants to have some stakes in it. But in the end, the, the fate of the Earth and the fate of the, these planets in the galaxies are not the stakes he's concerned with. And I think that's fine. He is concerned yep. with the character stakes. And 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 that's I guess that's uh, maybe one of the reasons why I wasn't super hot on this episode and why this season has left me kind of like in between is that I love the character stuff that's in here. And I think yeah. the casting was good. I think the characters are good. And I think he's got the right priorities in saying, in the end, you you should care more about what Graham chooses to do. Does he kill the creature that's responsible for Grace's death mm-hmm. or not? Then you should be concerned about whether a ray beams the earth into a cube because that's a science fictional whatever whereas this is about human beings and it's immediately relatable and that's really what the story is about and i totally agree and yet part of me is like yeah but the 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 ray stuff could have been better too Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah no i get it yeah because i think i think uh in the end, what you remember the most is the relationships between the characters, mm-hmm. how the characters grow and all that stuff. And almost Tim Shaw is there to be a contrast to Graham, right? So he's the evil villain who's just going to kill you. And you're weak because you can't kill me, Graham. Right. So, you know, that's a contrast, which, you know, Graham chooses to be the better man, which is a great, like, it's great. And it, it fits into his arc and all all that. And that, that was a great moment. Which I liked, but yeah, yeah, yeah I think some of, some of it too. I wonder if it's just um, the some of it is priorities. Some of it is whether Chris Chibnall is as good of of sticking the landing in terms of the plot stuff. Like, like so, Russell T. Davis is all about emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Moffat's all about plot mechanics. Like he can he can do emotion, but it's not his favorite thing. His favorite thing is twisty turny plots. Yeah. And Chris Chibnall is more like I think Russell T. Davis than he is like Stephen Moffat. He 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 is more concerned with kind of the operatic, you know, character emotional arc kind of big character moments. And I I don't think he's as good as it as it at it at as Russell T. Davis was. But I think mm-hmm. he that's what he's good at. And I don't think he's very strong on plots. Like, and and the funny thing is, I feel like all the elements are here, 
in this episode and in this whole season where like after the fact you start talking with somebody about what the like the themes are and you start to be like oh there's a lot of really interesting stuff that we can kind of mine when we talk about it like when you and i are talking about it here in terms of the themes and what's going on like in this episode there's a whole bunch of stuff that's about like these two powerful creatures who believe that 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 tim shaw is their is their creator is their god and there's this and there's like faith is ongoing through this whole season keeps coming up and and here we've got this question and the doctor is challenging and saying he's not your god um which was actually another thought that i had as i was watching is really after three thousand years one speech about how your god (laughs) is not your god and they're like oh yeah you're right (laughs) like really um but again there's a lot of richness in there and yet Mm -hmm. on the screen i kind of don't see it like like the ideas were good but none of them were particularly fleshed out other than those character moments which i agree is number one but like i kind of want a little bit more of the other stuff too well i saw the speech working because i think the the fact that tim shaw knew who the doctor was created a huge hole in his story and he he tells her to get out right and not listen to their conversation which is a real giveaway that he's got something exactly so that i think that's that's why it kind of it was like i was fine with that because okay. all of a sudden there's this big gaping hole also the but two yeah, locks no. don't agree right like essentially the, no. the woman has sort of uh enslaved the man to a certain degree because yes. um, she's senior or whatever um and uh and he's been questioning all along and now the doctor has come in and said i got a lot of facts here and this guy doesn't already doesn't believe it and why do you still believe it um yeah, it's it's fine. I just I thought, wow, that's a really interesting topic that the that the episode it touches on, and then it moves on moves along. It moves along because yeah. it's got other things that it's more worried about. Well, it's, the acts themselves are, I think, more interesting than Tim Shaw, and I kind of want to know more about that. Right, right, and and it's yeah. all very much in in quick dialogue, like oh, they're very powerful, and they're always two, and they're looking around, and and then we move on. It's like, well, you know. Yeah, I'm more. I'm much more interested in the two incredibly powerful beings who have kind of who are who are supposed Almost to magical, right? Right, and they're yeah. and, and they've got like a code that they're supposed to adhere to that makes them okay, but they've been they've been misguided, and so they've been mis they've been used for bad purposes, and now they have do they have to atone? What do they have to do? There's a lot there that I think is yeah more interesting than the than the the bad guy who is who has corrupted them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. What else have we not covered? Um, the oh, floating, so floating uh, edifice. They say uh, <laughs> where, uh, which is uh, where, where they kind of like get beamed up through the. They get to walk through the mud puddle and all of that, which is kind of funny. Yeah. And and go up there, and that was fun. Uh, we got the the doctor's idea that she's going to stick grenades on the thingy, um, and and that leads to I think. It's it's almost a meta conversation that the characters, uh, the fans have all the time, and that the characters call yeah. the doctor on, which is, well, wait a second, you said no violence, don't use guns, don't attack people, and you're sticking grenades on this thing that we don't know what it is. And she said, well, okay. First which, off... In the end, it's a whole planet. Yeah, which, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. But she's like, yeah. if it can be rebuilt, I'll allow it. It's not the same if you hurt people. Um, and, you know, you were early on, and so I was, you know, kind of overcorrecting in order. It's it's very interesting, because they're calling her on the whole, like, well, do you, so you do use violence or not? And she's like, it's complicated. <laughs> My rules change. <laughs> yeah, I have a code. Yeah. It's mostly about hurting people versus stuff. Um, but it's, well, I it's fun. I couldn't help but think, 
if you killed Tim Shaw in the first episode, you would have saved five planets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So for me, I'm like, I'm not advocating killing all the villains all the time, but perhaps someone who's a straight up villain like that in a story like this. Right. And I'm it, not, I'm not sure the doctor ever engages or the script ever engages with that thought too, which is her mercy is the reason that five planets are in jeopardy now and that these yeah. two fairly innocent beings have been kind of corrupted for 3,407 years, right? Like that, it's like, we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's a little bit like last week where there's the whole like, okay, this father abandoned her, his child and uh, tried to scare her with loud sounds and left like, you know, a bowl of food around so that he could go off yeah. and be with what he thought was his dead wife and at the end they're like well you're back together again it's fine we're leaving (laughs) like the script (laughs) does not want to father yeah and and the episode the script does not want to deal with that because it's like that's kind of messy we just want to leave because it's doctor who and we got to move on to our next thing and i feel a little bit of that here too where it's like well i don't want to talk about that anymore let's just (laughs) let's just that's not what this is about that's a complication um the uh there are a lot of robots I should say that some a lot of the action in this is we have robots running around. We get the moment where um, Ryan and Graham uh, are surrounded by robots and they do the let's lay down on the ground and let them shoot each other thing, which made (laughs) me laugh. Made me laugh. I, I, There's I'm also a, a yippee kaye robot. Yeah, in well, there. I was going to say then. The, then the last one is that Graham's like, "Oh, I got the I got the number of these robots," and he blow, he blows up the robots and says, "Yippee kaye robots," which I was like, as he was saying, and I'm like, "Oh my god, what's he going to say here?" That's just yippee kaye robots. That's that's fine. He had his diehard moment. That was that made me laugh. And and I I'm willing to go with the idea that the that ro- robots are crappy. Like just like yeah. yeah, they're easy to kill. They're not that good. They're dangerous, but they're they're not that hard to kill. It's fine. They're fun to kill. They were consistently easy to kill in the in the show, so I, I can buy that. Yeah, yeah. These are just you know never. Yeah. If, if look, if they uh, if they had hired sentient beings to do that job instead of robots, it, yeah. the job would have probably gotten done better. Is what I'm saying. But you could also just build a whole ton of robots and keep throwing them. You at could, them. you so. could. That's the lesson of if there was a lesson in Star Wars Episode One, it might have been that <laughs> yes. one. Just keep building the robots. Um, let's see what else. So, uh, we talked about the crystals and that they're planets and the, the, the big Tim Shaw moment is where he says, I am unstoppable. This <laughs> is a weapon. And, you know, the doctor is in this moment, I think maybe as much as any other episode, this whole season, Jodie Whittaker gets to do the doctor who speech mm-hmm. thing where she gets to say, you know, there's no such thing as somebody who's unstoppable. Uh, and you know she she has th- in this scene i think this scene coupled with her scene with graham where graham says if you know if this is tim shaw i'm going to i'm going to kill him and she's like you can't do it and she explains all the reasons why and he's like no 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 i'm doing it like those two scenes are both so doctory mm-hmm. not just even from this series but from uh the classic series as well and yeah. and i think chris chibnall is to be applauded for like and jodie whittaker for her performance like that is uh, that is as fundamentally a doctor who kind of thing as you could get is when she can fronts tim shaw at the end there and and uh and and tells him you know this is wrong don't you know don't make me do this again all of that kind of stuff it's just it's great yeah i also liked in that moment where she tells graham not to kill tim shaw she also lets him make the choice Mm -hmm. just like okay you're a grown-up you can decide but 
you might not get to travel with me anymore. You have to live with the consequences. Yeah. And she even like, uh, you know, he doesn't, she doesn't like assign him away where like, you're not even coming on this. Just, you know, forget about it. It's like, you know, you, you were going to make your own decisions here. And I would like to say, given, given whatever happens in this episode, um, I would like to say that the doctor like thinks that Graham is not going to go through with it, that she doesn't Mm -hmm. believe it. And that, um, that he needs to have that moment and realize that that um, he's not going to do it, but she has to let him have it. She can't yeah. just tell him not to do it. He, that didn't work. He's gonna. He's he he's all up in arms about it, and uh, and yeah. So so instead, he gets to have that moment, and it is it is a good moment. In fact, I've seen some people argue that Graham has the most clearly defined character arc of anybody this whole season because he really I agree with that. Right? He he. We see yeah. him at all the different points from the beginning to the end, and this is that final moment where he. Um, does not does not shoot Tim Shaw to kill and then um and then shoots him in the foot and says don't tell the doc <laughs> <laughs> just shot him in the foot um yes. but and, and that's in in the view of Ryan too who has you know that and and their relationship has evolved over the course, course of the season and that's another big character arc we've gotten to see and and I think did a good job yeah and it not overdone cuz you know Ryan is expressing love and calling mm-hmm. him granddad but also in a very reserved kind of don't don't overdo this because then I'm just going to pull back again. Yeah, kind of way that feels real. I yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen more arc from Yaz. I think she's a great character that hopefully we get more of next season. Yeah, so. I I agree. Like one of the things I like about Yaz is that she's so um, capable. Like she's because she's a police officer, especially like she yep. she knows what to do, and that competence is great. But I do worry that because she's so capable, the character doesn't get as much time because she's just as expected to do what is need. She knows what needs to be done, and she does it. Yeah, and she hasn't had that kind of emotional arc. And the funny thing is that she feels much more like a classic Doctor Who companion than yep. either Ryan or Graham. But uh, as a result, maybe they. You know, she's less interesting to write for because she seems like so, so capable. And so they just kind of sideline her. I agree more than I would like to see. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I think I really liked the Demons of the Punjab episode. It's because we got a glimpse of her. So, yeah. And in this episode, she's great. She's a good support. She has some great moments. But in terms of developing that character, really seeing who she is, it's like, yeah, no, I'd like to see more. Yeah. Bring me more yes. Yeah, I agree. It feels like um it feels almost like she's been a character who's been there a long time so they don't need to worry about yeah. her as much as the other two, which is not true, but it, it kind of feels that way. Like uh, she's she's yeah. fine, she's taken care of. I'm like, "No, we want we want more yes." I mean, I I don't mind there being three companions, but it no. does feel a little bit imbalanced. Yeah, I really like the three companions. Um I think it's kind of fun. It brings a different dynamic, but I think that's that is the challenge. You've got three. We didn't have time to develop Yaz. So if we can do that in another uh-huh. season, then I'm cool with that. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, the We have a nice moment where the Ux are brought into the TARDIS as a part of the Doctor's final like yes. theory where she's like, okay. And, and this is a very Doctor problem-solving thing. I think it's actually one of the few times this season, if I have another complaint about this season, it might be that, that Jodie Whittaker's Doctor sometimes is a little bit too passive and things just sort of work out around her. Um, but yep. in this one, she's like, all right, I got to be able to make this work. And she's like, I got, I got the Ux and I got the TARDIS and I got these planet things and I've got the Stenza technology. And she's like, I think I can make this work. And she, again, dialogues very fast and it's like 
whatever. Like, I'll go with it, right? There's a science fictional explanation for it. But the idea is she's solving the problem and it's going to take a lot of work and maybe some risk, but she's going to, she's going to try to do it. And that's a lot of fun. But it does lead to the moment also where the Ux walks into the TARDIS and it's one of those (laughs) moments of like, oh, this is going to be big. But we know because they've been introduced as like they're unique in the universe and their ability to meld like dimensional shapes and all these things. And so when they're walking in and it's like, oh, they're going to love this. And I'm thinking, no, 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 this should be nothing to them because this is what they do. And literally that's what happens is that he walks in the door and goes, huh, dimensionally transcendental or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Like, got it. Cool. Understood. (laughs) No bigger on the inside. (laughs) Not, not a, yeah, he doesn't care or uh, both of them don't care. It's like, they get it. They get it. I love, I love that because it was totally set up right. Set up properly as this should not be a big deal to them. And it's not, they don't care. Yeah. It's uh, maybe they admire the handiwork a little bit, but that's about it. Um, oh, the, the Graham line that I think is the, is, is really good and it shows how much that he's uh, kind of progressed and learned is, um, when he says you ain't worth killing. That was the line that I really liked because yep. that is that is him coming all the way back around, which is, um, you know, what, what's the price to Graham? What's the cost to Graham for killing Tim Shaw versus, you know, what, what they do, which is essentially put him in stasis <laughs> forever, which is not great, but they didn't kill it's him. It's like, as long as the stasis holds or we're back in the same problem again. Yeah, that's right. Well, they, they oh, no, I'm sure it'll go on forever or not. And he'll come yeah. back and annoy us again later. And then the the episode wraps up with the Ux uh, saying that they're going to travel, they're going to get a ride uh, with Paltraki and his cr- crew and the other, you know, whoever they've mm-hmm. saved from there. And, um, and that leads to a nice um, moment because the, the Ux are supposed to stay on this planet. And they're like, I think we've lost our way. I, I thought that was kind of cool. Like, we've walked this yeah. planet. We kind of lost our way. We need to see what the universe has for us. And then we'll go from there. And, and that's a fun moment. And it leads to the doctor doing that. A little speech, but a, a very much a nice way for the season to wrap up, which is none of us know what's out there. If I've learned anything, I've learned that the universe will surprise you. And then they go off. And I thought, I thought it was a really nice uh, kind of low key but also yeah. very like here's our mission statement kind of way to end the season yeah well i think she said something like uh travel with hope exactly yeah 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 which it's- is yeah that just feels right for how the whole themes in the season have been leading and so at the end of this episode i, I in that moment i thought to myself okay here are the two things i feel about this episode and the season as a whole which is some of the plot stuff kind of just leaves me cold like all right it's fine whatever it happened but Jodie Whittaker as the doctor it's just funny because coming into the season it's like well it's doctor who but new doctor who knows that it could be different what it's going to be so a woman playing the doctor for the first time that's going to be really mm-hmm. different how are we going to adapt to it and the the surprise having gone through 10 episodes is right all the way from her first scene to this final mm-hmm. scene is the one thing that's never in question is how good she is and how she is perfectly written as the doctor. It's just, it's, it, it has never been an issue the whole season for me. Not, not yeah. once. Yeah. I've loved her. Like I, I got chills from the first moment she falls through the train mm-hmm. and says her first line. I'm like, Nope, I love her. I love her already. Right? Cause yeah, it was so good. Um, and the stakes. I Which, mean, when we think about it, it's like there's all this talk about it. And people are like, "Oh, I'm not going to watch it. It's, it's got to be a man. Why no. is it a woman?" And all that. And and then you're like, "Okay, I 
boy, I, I, so you fight you fight those ballad, battles. You have those arguments. You roll your <laughs> eyes at the people who say that. And you're like, this better be good. <laughs> and then, you know, please let it be good. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, no, actually, she's great. Like, this is not, if I have issues with this season, it, none of them are about uh, about her or about the way her character is written. Not mm-hmm. even close. She's great. We're lucky to have her. Yes. Well, and I think I I think when I have the time to think about it, go back and sort of process knowing now what the feeling and the tone and the themes of the season are, and I go back and watch from the beginning again, I think I'll like it better and it'll feel feel more at home and it'll feel more Doctor Who now that I'm used mm-hmm. to sort of what's been shifting, if that makes sense. No. So I, I think... I really do like it. I just think I'm just processing the change and trying to process all my feelings about it. Yeah, I think um, so. So a a cynical person would say, well, you know, once you once you watch it again, you can like you're you're now now you're looking for what you want to want to get out of it. And it's and it's like it's not natural. It's not real. It's your first reaction. But I think you're exactly right, because I think coming into a new season of Doctor Who more than almost any other show, especially a new season with a new showrunner and a new Mm -hmm. doctor. Um, What show are they trying to make? Like, there there are lots of audience expectations, but the real question is, what show are they trying to make? And after 10 episodes, I think we have a much better idea of what this show is trying to be. And then you watch it again under those, you know, under those circumstances, instead of thinking of, uh, the last Stephen Moffat season with Peter yep. Capaldi or something like that or or the whole Stephen Moffat run or even Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat. Instead, it's like, I now understand what the Chris Chibnall stuff is and it may not work for everybody. I know there, there are definitely people who are like, eh, it's, it's this season hasn't worked for them. But I also know a bunch of people um, who, and Shannon, who was on an earlier episode this year, she just kind of like stopped watching in the Moffat era because she just it mm-hmm. just did not work for her. And she, uh, with, with the exception of, I think, the last half of, of Kerblam has liked every episode this season. And yeah. I, I think that is because the show is trying to do something different. And that that was, she wanted something different. And now going back to watch it, we know what it's, I, I feel like that really makes a difference too. Like, what are they trying mm-hmm. to do? And then judge it on that. Judge it on the merits of what it's trying to do. But now we know. We know now the Chris Chibnall playbook and what he's trying to get. And I do think that it will probably be um, in large part uh, it will make more sense and be more understandable uh, viewed as a whole knowing knowing that. I, I think there's yeah. still going to be some episodes that will be like, man, this one's not that great. But um, I, I, I do think uh, it'll all benefit from a rewatch now, now that we know what the show is that they're making. Yeah, well, and I had that, like I said, Peter Capaldi was not my doctor first at all. Yeah. I was like, I don't get this. But Well, kind of the opposite when, way, too, right? Where it's yeah. like, that was all about, like, what if we make the doctor unlikable and we just but, have yeah. the plots? And this this season and is like, just... no, 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 no. Doctor is likable from the moment one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, and I think, though, for, for Capaldi, uh, by the time I got to the third season, and especially... In the, the first half of that first season, I was like, wait, no, now seeing his whole arc from the beginning to where he got into his third season, I actually appreciated the whole picture a lot more than I did at first. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of, you know, I know a lot of people who stopped watching because they couldn't handle him. And yeah. that's fine. That's that's the show. You could come in, you could leave when it works for you, you can leave when it doesn't. Uh, um, but he, yeah, when I saw that whole arc, it really changed how I saw his, like, the his series as a whole, the whole run. I think, 
I think the bottom line is that for all his uh, protestations to the contrary, Stephen Moffat <laughs> is a lifelong Doctor Who fan who made the ultimate Doctor Who fan version of Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he kept the viewership he did is kind of miraculous because, (laughs) and that he was allowed to do it as long as he did, because it was super twisty turny. Like, Mm -hmm. Like classic Doctor Who, the TARDIS gets you to the story. Stephen Moffat Doctor Who, the TARDIS is the story like embedded there's always time travel embedded in the plots and it's all very twisty turny and you know that's fun but i think that is a much more kind of narrow sci-fi premise you're asking people to kind of hang with it my argument about the christmas specials through the years was always like people be like oh it seemed pretty straightforward and it's like yeah it's on christmas evening and a whole bunch of people who are full of turkey and wine are settled down with their family to watch Doctor Who for an hour. It's going to be as broadly entertaining as possible. Um, mm-hmm. And you know what? That that Chris Chibnall, that's what he's trying to do. He's, and, and he succeeded. If the ratings in the UK are any indication, yep. he has totally succeeded in getting a whole bunch of new people uh, to watch the show and a whole bunch of people who had stopped engaging to re-engage by doing it this way. It was his plan. I think it worked. And um, and that's good, too. Even if, as a fan, I'm like, oh, I kind of like all the twisty turny. Like, it's not yeah. about me. It's also about, like, Doctor Who keep continuing to change and appeal to other people. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, I'd like a little more time in the TARDIS because it's so pretty in there. It, it, but, you it, know, it if we have, hopefully, if we have, well, we know we have another season yeah, coming. Yeah, so. so, yeah, it's official for those who haven't heard. So, the New Year's Day, we'll be back with a flashcast on New Year's Day. I, my Christmas, I'm not going to do a podcast for the first time in like seven <laughs> years. I don't know what's going on there. But on New Year's Day, there'll be uh, a, a New Year's special called called Resolution, which is hilarious. Um, yes. And then there is a 12th series of Doctor Who that is coming in what they say is early 2020, which seems like the far future until you realize that's 13 months from now. So, yep. they're going to not do it in the fall they're not going to turn it around that quickly there were a lot of rumors that chris chibnall was unhappy about how quickly the bbc wanted them to turn it around i think uh my understanding is that in a british context the way they make these shows as opposed to america where they just make people work 20 hours a day or whatever yeah um that in a british context this is an unusually strenuous gig that um all the people who've played the lead actor and now jody whitaker is finding this it's like it's almost a year-round job which is very unusual for British TV actors. And yeah. uh, so I think they finally, it, just reading the tea leaves, they seem to have come to some a- agreement and acceptance that they weren't going to be able to put shows on in the fall, but but it will be back in about a year. Plus, we'll get one episode on, on New Year's Day. So and, and it's all back with back with everybody so far as I can tell, yeah. which is awesome. And probably they'll give us a Christmas slash New Year's episode. I would, Next year, I would hope I'm so. Guessing. I would hope so. so. That would be a nice, uh, a nice kickoff yeah, for, exactly. for t- the 2020 season if they started with a New Year's episode and then went from there. But um, all, to, all to play for. But we have one more with uh, with this group, uh, not this mm-hmm. year, but in in this holiday season. Um, but but yeah, it was uh, it was like I said, it was it felt kind of like a microcosm of the of the season for me in that I like the character yeah. stuff and the plot was sort of like it was there, it was fine. Um, not one of the highlights of the season for me. I, I there no. are many, but um, it it was a fine way to go out. And I also suspect that uh, we can't 
I suspect we can't really view this as the season finale because I suspect <laughs> that New Year's yes. special was always planned to be kind of the wrapping up of the themes of this whole thing in a box, even though they didn't announce that they were doing it for a while. It's very clearly that they made 11 episodes as a part of this <laughs> and uh, we'll get uh, a little more uh, resolution, uh, mm-hmm. just like the episode title from the New Year's yes. special. It's a great name because you can play with it in so many ways. I, yeah, I like it. I heard people who were like, they felt it was really pedestrian. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I really like it. Like, th- that is, it could mean so many different things. Yes. Yeah. And it's, uh, and I, somebody, um, there were all these breathless web reports that are like, oh, it got delayed. It got kicked off of Christmas. And it's like, literally the script, like in the trailer, she talks <laughs> about how it's New Year's Day. And I thought, yeah. okay, so this, this is a decision that they made eight months ago. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's not, mm, it's not. But it will still be weird not to have it on on Christmas. Well, Annette, thank you so much for talking about Doctor Who with me. Well, thank you for giving me a forum to talk about it officially. I know. If only you knew people who had Doctor Who podcasts. I know. I, I have snuck my way on their podcast That's, before. See, there you go. That's good. It's yes. good. It's good. And you get to podcast uh, for Herb Chirp in person, which is uh, awesome. Yes. I, I, uh, it is really I, fun. I'm jealous of that. That is a really cool thing. Um, all right. Well, thanks to everybody out there for listening to the Doctor Who Flashcast this season. Uh, I will be back on New Year's Day with somebody uh, who it's, remains a mystery. Maybe, uh, you know, I'm going to just leave it there. It, it remains a mystery to me as well as you. Uh, but thank you for listening to season. And there are many other shows that we cover here on the TV podcast. But thank you for being a part of the Doctor Who Flashcast at The Incomparable. We will see you in 2019. Wow. Doctor Who Flashcast on the incomparable